0: Good morning, church. I also want to start by just talking to the funeral this week. It was just honestly the best funeral that I've been to because it was just such a celebration of life, and I learned so much about Daryl. Obviously, I'd only known him a year, but he lived such an abundant life, and um, and so I hope today's word that I'm speaking on on the word would give honor to the name of this church that he named, you know, Living Word. So. It's beautiful. So it was a little while ago that I spoke, it was on the heart, soul, the mind and the strength. And I believe that it's such an essential thing for us believers to know the parts of our makeup, understanding that we have this unregenerated soul and mind. And even though... We have this new spirit in this new heart, as the scripture says, it can be so easy to slip back into the deceptiveness of the old man, the old ways, and that negative mindset. And because I'm sure we've all known the enemy at work in our life, we've heard that whisper of lies, the twisting of scripture, the oppression of circumstances, but I've said it before and I'll say it again, my problem has always been myself. It's been with self. It's been the wrestle. It's, um, I so resonate with Jacob when he talks about wrestling even with God for his blessing you know, bless me and I feel like my, my journey has been a bit like that wrestling with fear, wrestling with negative emotions wrestling with letting go of the past wrestling with um, letting go of things that we can't control that's a big one um, wrestling even with forgiveness wrestling with seeing ourselves the way God sees us I struggle with that how much his love is for us And even wrestling in the seeking of God. You know, sometimes you're like, why can't I just hear you clearly? It's even the wrestle in that. But as we're dying to self, as we're dying to that part of us, it becomes easier as the journey comes on. But there are times when our flesh is begging to hold on to what's comfortable. And the comfortable, I like to think, is like a warm blanket in a hot summer. And I believe in this season, as I've been sitting with the Lord, he's really speaking to the church. He wants to bring us into a new season. He wants to do a fresh thing. He wants to pull us out of old mindsets. He wants to pull us out of bad habits. But he needs you to let go of the old way. He needs you to let go of those old things that just aren't going to serve you in this new season. And that might even mean letting go of the way you hear him and him revealing to you another way he's going to speak to you through a sunset through the birds, through a child. There's all different different ways that he can speak. And so I've said all this so we can prepare, as um, Brenton, thank you for confirming that, getting out of our comfort zone today. <laughs> I wrote that down. To bring that humble spirit along on the ride today because we're going to be talking about one area that the Lord says we need a whole lot of transformation, and that's the tongue. And so I'm going to be taking us through some scriptures of how I believe the Spirit's leading us to speak and to bring honour and glory to him. But first, let's pray. Father, I just praise you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the purity of your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you would go forth in our church and and open the hearts, the minds and the ears and the eyes to see what you want us to see in this word today. I pray that you would help us all to bring greater transformation in the way that we speak. In Jesus' name. But first, let's have a look at the beauty of God's word. Uh, the word says it's been refined seven times. And I like to think of that like gold. You know, when you first dig out gold, it's hard and it's discoloured and it's been mixed with other things. But when you apply heat to the word, you know, all these impurities rise to the surface and you're left with this beautiful, glistening, pure gold. It's not infiltrated by the world at all, particularly those words in red that we read from Jesus. And so I believe that the word and the stories of the people, through it, right from Genesis, we can learn from, you know, their highs, their lows, their strengths, their weaknesses, their hills, their valleys, their sin, their righteousness. We can use everything to encourage each other, to train each other in righteousness, and even to correct ourselves. Because it's been very clear in the Old Testament, right up to the New, that sin is the thing that affects the state of the heart towards God. It's like this big thing that puts the blood... In our relationship and I believe the Lord through Jesus has said I want to complete my people I want to restore them I want to heal them I want to bring them into wholeness I want to bring them into greater revelation of their identity in me and so let's look at the word here when it comes to the tongue it says Jesus says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks And what I believe he's saying is that when there is evil still residing in the heart, it's just going to come out in the way that we talk.
1: You know, the language
0: we use will reveal um, a weakness in our unregenerated soul and mind. So it's not something to back away from. It's actually something that can bring revelation to us that we need to work on. And I love this quote by a man called Daniel Darling. He says, lovely name, Um, words, words are not neutral. They're either evil or they're good. Um, He says, nobody can really say, whoops, I didn't mean that. It's actually better to say when we misspeak. I'm sorry, those words came from an unsanctified part of my soul. And I love that. It's so humble because it's it's acknowledging that the tongue is going to reveal a weakness somewhere inside of us. Because James 3, 6 to 13 says, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. And so one way that I believe what this is saying is to test our character, to test our maturity in Christ, to test our heart posture towards God, is to pay attention to what we're speaking. And you know, God has so much to say about the tongue. I've nearly read through the full Bible now, and I'm thinking you know, nearly the whole book of Proverbs, most of the book of Job, half the book of James, is all about the tongue. And you know, you even need to take a quick peek back through your own history and you'll see where the tongue has got you in trouble. I remember a standout moment with my mother-in-law. My fault. It's okay, we moved on. And if we haven't, she's in Victoria. (laughs) But you know, the Lord, he he really wants to refine the tongue as a sign of an inward heart change. So let's have a look at speech. Because 1 Peter tells us some things to pay attention to. He says, therefore, laying aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. And I know now in the Bible when I read that word "all," he means all. Little bit of a white lie is not allowed. Little bit of gossip is not allowed. He means get rid of it. As all as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. And when I first read this, the spirit kind of took me backwards. He was saying to me, you know, Lisa, if you want to grow, if you want to understand that pure milk of the word, like you're a newborn believer, getting that foundation right, you can't get contaminated with evil words. You need to get rid of that evil speaking for that nourishment of the milk to be pure. You know, get, get rid of all those hindrances to your growth. And so I thought, all right, Lord, well, tell me, what is evil speaking then? We need to know what areas we need to bridle the tongue and what things he's asking us to purge. And if we read in the Old Testament, God describes seven things that he detests. And three of them have to do with the tongue. He doesn't like a lying tongue. He says, don't be a false witness and don't be someone who sows discord. And then if we take that to the New Testament, we've even got Paul who talks about not slandering someone's character, not gossiping, not getting into anger or fits of rage, um, not getting into complaining because obviously that's a sign of an ungrateful heart. And whenever I read about complaining, it always makes me think of the Israelites. You know, when they're in the wilderness and they're getting blessed by God, they're getting food, they've had the milk, uh, the, the, sorry, the water from the rock, and their, their clothes aren't even wearing out and they're still complaining even in the midst of getting blessed and having all their needs met times have I done that and I'm getting blessed boasting um, because obviously that's rooted in pride but then there's that other side of it where the Lord talks about being self pious which is being deeply religious and you know the Pharisees did that where they're saying look at all the fasting I'm doing look how I'm denying myself for for God but God says, you've already got your reward because that's just from the root of pride I can't honour that Uh, Paul says a mouth even filled with great swelling words You know, someone who's constantly flattering someone to gain advantage just reveals something in the heart, something of deceit in the heart. David's psalm says, his mouth is full of curses and deceit and oppression. And as Christians we think, well I'm not into witchcraft, I don't curse people. But the Lord showed me this very simply, that a curse is just to threaten or it's to pronounce evil on someone or something. It's actually to remove them from God's protection or blessing. And so things like slandering and gossip can can become a curse over somebody. And so each one of these things could have their own sermon. But I want to focus on what God says will happen on Judgment Day. He says on Judgment Day, people will give an account of every idle or careless word spoken. And if we think about careless words, I'm hoping by the end end of today we see that how all those things I just listed can fit into speaking carelessly. Because usually with careless words, they start small. They start little, they start like a little fox. That's a reference from the Song of Songs. Be careful of the little foxes that steal the fruit. Even though it's small, it's still stealing your fruit. And the Lord even says in Psalms 4:3, he says, Your lips, he's complimenting the bride here, your lips are like a strand of scarlet. Your mouth is lovely. And so the strand of scarlet is symbolic of a mouth that is cleansed by the blood of the lamb. He's complimenting her because he's saying, your mouth is lovely, you've allowed it to be sanctified. So if we put those two things together, it means if we're not careful of the little foxes that can come through in our speech, and we're not allowing that speech to be continuously sanctified, we're actually going to rob ourselves of abundant fruit and our reward, and we're actually going to rob others Of abundant life and the things that God wants to speak into them. So I'll just give an example here. I had had a standout moment um, a couple of months ago. I was talking to someone and come onto the conversation about someone else and I said, oh, you know, don't worry about them. They're always acting a bit younger than their age, implying that they're immature and no one here. (laughs) Um, And I kind of felt like I was covering for them. I said, you know, we can't expect too much of this person because they've always kind of acted younger than their age, always acting immature. And I brushed it off and it was a few days later, my heart got so convicted the Lord brought all my words, I'd spoken back to me. And he showed me how I'd just slandered this person. And what he showed me, I had a picture of an arrow with poison at the end of it. And as I was speaking, those arrows were being shot out and, and adding to that person in bondage. Because there's always a reason that people are exhibiting those behaviours. And it was another couple of weeks later, the Lord confirmed it because that's actually a scripture. In Jeremiah, it says, the tongue is an arrow shot out, it speaks deceit. And I went, yep, that was definitely from the Lord. And so what he was doing, he was showing me the danger of placing my label. ...on someone else that was not grounded in their identity in Christ... ...if I'm not speaking out how God sees them... ...if I'm not speaking out how what God spoke over them... ...before the creation of the world... ...I'm in error. I'm speaking evil. And what he was telling me as well is that... ...every word we speak enters the spirit realm... ...and it has an effect. It is that powerful. Everything we speak is spiritually binding. We can actually come into agreement with something that isn't true. And we think about that, you know, God spoke and he created a whole universe with abundant seed-bearing fruit continuing today, reproducing from one word that he spoke. Jesus even spoke and he cursed the fig tree and it died. He's telling us there is power of life and death in our tongue. For today even, we are made in his image. And if I bring that even back to Jesus, he says in John 12, For I have never spoken on my own initiative or authority, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment regarding what to say and what to speak. So even Jesus, every word that came out of his mouth was from his relationship and what he was hearing from the Father. That's incredible how clearly he was hearing the Father. And so even when Jesus called someone a name, we like to say he called the Pharisees a brood of vipers, He was just revealing something about the state of their heart that the Father was revealing. Because the brood of vipers is a reference to someone who is filled with malice. It's a reference to someone who felt like they had the power of life and death in their hands, like a brood of vipers. And so we know that the Pharisees thought that they were divinely ordained to judge others. And so Jesus in his love and the Father in his love was speaking that over these people to try and get them to repent, to try and bring them to repentance. You know, Jesus is so serious about watching our words that he even tells us in Matthew five twenty-two, he says, even if you call your brother raka, which means idiot or stupid or you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I mean that's not just for the unbelievers, that's for the church. You know, so unless Jesus is revealing to us that we can call someone an idiot or stupid, we we'd better be very careful what we're saying. You know, God is even serious about the words that we speak over ourselves. I know we're in a new covenant, but if we look back in Numbers 14, this is when I was saying about the Israelites, they're grumbling to Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly says to them, Oh, if only we died in Egypt, or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land, only to let us fall by the sword? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Amazing, because then in verse 28... After all this complaining that they've done, the Lord tells Moses to tell them this. As surely as the Lord lives, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing that I heard you say. And you know, Jesus does, he has a lot of grace. But what this is revealing about the Israelites is their belief system that they had. And so what can happen is what you say is what will happen. The Lord will, you know, he's not going to get out of your free will to to, to say these things and and to believe these things. And so what can happen is it's very likely that the things we say can be the very thing that blocks our blessing. That that hit me right here in the heart. You know, we need to be really careful with what we're coming into agreement with, but also our belief system. Is it is it rooted and grounded in what the word of God says? I I really thought about this and I thought, wow, look at the way we even can label our bodies sometimes. I heard this from my husband. He said, "Oh, Alicia, I'm, got a really bad immune system. I'm always sick around this time of the year. I've heard, I'm so clumsy. I'm always tripping over my feet. I'm useless at remembering things. I'm always broke. I mean, think about these words we speak over ourselves. Even generational curses, things like, oh, my dad's dad's dad had this, so I'm definitely going to have this, and we claim it, you know, um, put a, put a timeline on, on even our life. We've got to be so careful with with what we're speaking over ourselves. Even when it comes to abilities. Ah, This person's got a beautiful gift, but I don't think the Lord's given me any gifts. No, he says desire the gifts. They're the Holy Spirit's gifts to give you. You can have a ministry of your own and and partner with Holy Spirit. And he can give you different gifts over your lifetime. Even things like, oh, I can't tell people about Jesus. I'm, I'm too afraid they'd never listen to me. No, that's not what the, the Word says. The Word says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And even the, what really woke me up is, as I was speaking in the last time I spoke, um, the words that I was speaking over my own children. Because as you know, young children, they constantly do things over and over again that maybe you don't like, and then we begin to label that. Well, that's what I was doing. And so words like, she's bossy, he's a terror."
1: In a handful.
0: She's going to be a heartbreaker. He's just like his dad. We're coming out of my mouth. And the Lord led me even to a psychology article that says, one negative label that you place on a child, it can take 10 positive things to overcome that one label we placed on them. You know, that's... That's something we really need to be mindful of, that we don't let those labels stick, particularly on our children. We need to be speaking life into them, what, what God say, says about them. You know, and even it could go into the sphere of politics. How many times have we heard that politicians useless are digging this nation into a grave? The worst PM in history. You know, that, that's not what the Lord wants us to speak over our leaders. Don't go to that suburb, full of, full of. Um, it's dirty, it's rotten, it's full of no-hopers. I wouldn't dare take the Lord's presence in there. No, that's not what he says to say. He doesn't. One way to clue on if it's good or if it's evil is to imagine, would Jesus speak that over that person or that place or that situation? Would he withhold words of grace and life even to the worst of sinners? No, he wouldn't. And so it's very care- um possible that our careless words can curse someone because we're removing them from God's blessing and what he's spoken over them and the one thing the Lord spoke very clearly to me when I was dealing with my children is Elise, be careful you're not coming into agreement with what the enemy is speaking be careful you're not coming into agreement with what the enemy is speaking because Proverbs says that a wholesome tongue and the word wholesome means healing in the Hebrew so a healing tongue is a tree of life with that abundant fruit. But any perversiveness crushes the spirit. And it made me think of the renovation we're doing at our home right now. Brett's doing tiling for the first time and you walk in and you go, wow, Brett, this is amazing for your first time. And he says, don't look too close. And you see all these <laughs> little bits and pieces sticking out, a little bit not not in alignment. But this is what the word is saying, you know, it can look, we can think it looks like this tree of life, but if there is any perversiveness, any crookedness in our speech, he says it can break, it can crush, and it can shatter a spirit. That's something you really need to keep in mind. And so I'll give another example of a little fox. It wasn't long ago I was speaking to my husband and we were getting into a conversation about Christianity and I was fired up, it was starting to get quite blunt a little bit, you know, I was trying to defend the Lord, trying to lift up his name and, but we had two very different points of view and while he was speaking I just said in my mind, Holy Spirit, how, how do I win this view? you? How do, I, how do I get us across the line here? What do I say? And he replied, don't speak just listen <laughs> okay <laughs> So for the next five minutes all I did was nod and smile and reply back what I thought he was saying and To be fair, the discussion ended amicably after just listening to him. And later, I said to the the Holy Spirit, I said, What was that, Lord? We could have won that. You had the words of life and the words of wisdom. We could have got through that. And he said, Alicia, you were speaking from pride. You were offended and you were getting offensive. And second of all, the Lord doesn't need me to defend him constantly. You know, there's a time and place where we can have those discussions with unbelievers. But if it's getting heated, if it's getting into debate, if we're just wanting to win the argument, you know, the Lord tapped out of that conversation and he's back here going, waiting for you to finish. Um, Because the number one priority is our integrity of our relationship with the Lord. And the second of all, it's our integrity of our relationship with that person. And that's far more important than me wanting to be right humbled very humbled and so in this case the lord didn't want me to speak but you know there were other ways he's directed me to speak i've been praying so much behind the scenes and for some of us that will be what he is required of that time or or for that person and so i felt it it was such an important thing to highlight there's so many little foxes that we need to be aware of these things that can whisper to our flesh that seem right to a man, but actually aren't grounded in what the spirit wants to say. And instead, it's what the self wants to say. And so, what do we do then? We need, we need an answer here. What do we do when we've spoken in pure error? Just a misunderstanding of God's word or our inheritance, what the Lord says the promise is for us. What, what do we do next? And I think the first thing we do is we draw near in fear. Draw near in fear. You know, the fear of the Lord is what keeps us close to Jesus. It it doesn't push us away because the fear of the Lord is the awe, it's the reverence, it's the pursuit of the king, it's it's acknowledging that his will is more important than my will and I'm going to lay mine down to take up his. Because, you know, we can have a lot of our own understanding, but scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if we're going to tackle and tame the tongue, We're going to need a lot of wisdom because wisdom is the thing that helps us discern in that moment what is good and what is evil because the Pharisees had a lot of knowledge. But when they applied and lent on their own understanding, we have seen in the scripture that they ended up in a deep pit. It didn't end well. And even Paul, Paul, um, when he was speaking to the Colossians, who were new believers, he was so I just love the enthusiasm in Paul's writing. He was so excited for these new believers, and he said, I have to stop praying for you. And we're on the receiving end, we get to see exactly what he prayed for. And he said, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Because even as new believers, he Paul understood that when they attained this, when they had true understanding from the Spirit. He says in the next scripture, then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. And we've learnt that the, the, the tongue is a tree of life. And so Paul is speaking of the tongue here. He wants every kind of good fruit in their life. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And so it's as simple as just asking God for wisdom. You know, sometimes we can ask him at the end of the day, but we need it in that moment. We can ask him and believe, No, don't be double-minded and think he's not going to give you. No, he will give you the wisdom you need for that moment and what you need to say. And this is what we still need to attain now as well, is really drawing close and knowing him. We really need to know our Lord and Saviour closely. And we'll know that we're speaking in wisdom because James says the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of good fruit, it's impartial, which means we're not treating anyone differently. We're seeing that everyone through the eyes of God and that they're all made in his image, and we're going to be sincere in the way that we treat people. And so part of this is, is really growing our relationship with the Lord. I found the fastest and quickest way to grow my relationship with him is speaking to him all through the day. I think we need to get to the point where we're speaking to Jesus more than we even speak to the closest person to us. Speak to him in the morning when we wake up. Move something off the seat of your car and Jesus is in the car with you and you're having a conversation wherever we're going, over the dinner table, at night time, all throughout. Acknowledge him. You know, Imagine if we had Jesus in it. We saw him with our natural eyes sitting right next to Phil, right there. How different would we speak? (laughs) How different would, would, we, would we act around people? So imagine him right there, wherever we go. He's going to give us the, the strength and the wisdom and the words for every situation that we we're going in with Jesus, wherever we are. And so, part of this conversation that I've realised will be confession. And I know confession can have this religious connotation, but the Spirit gave it to me like this one day. He said, Lisa, just clear the air with me. Clear the air with me. Which means we're offloading all those little boxes that we think. Yes, he knows what we think. And so it means we can't hide our true feelings from Jesus. He knows when we have a grievance with someone. He knows when we're agitated, when we're frustrated, when we're feeling misunderstood or rejected. He, he already knows these things. And so speak it out to him. Speak it to him before we make the mistake like I have a couple of times where you go to the person and then you wonder why it blew up. <laughs> You know, because I didn't speak to him first. He will give you the wisdom when the time's right as well. And also, being careful with when we're talking to people, because sometimes we can try and get what we should do from lots of different people. And then sometimes we can end up with worldly wisdom. And so the best place to start is with Jesus. Share the grievance with him. Because many times when I've done this, the intensity of those emotions and of that little fox subsides. And usually that's the biggest thing in the way, the big emotions. And that means also giving the justice and the judgment back to God about that person. And that's when that fruit of the Spirit, when we're going to Him first and we're asking Him for that fruit, then suddenly that joy, that peace, that long-suffering, that self-control just naturally flows through. And I really think that's what David was doing in the Psalms. You know, we read the Psalms and... Those were written in some of the toughest, darkest days of David's life. And yet he confessed his sin. He was honest with God when there were wicked people out to get get him. And yet he kept saying, Lord, purify my hands and purify my heart. Because he understood that there were going to be things he said in error. There were going to be things that he didn't quite get right. But the Lord in this new covenant says I'm not here to get you into guilt or shame. So that's not what I want us to walk away with today. Do not get into guilt or shame. Because he says in 1 John, if we confess our sin, which means to speak out, confess to declare to God, to have that conversation, he is just and faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. You know, this is great news because it means he doesn't just wipe away the sin and not remember it, which he does but he also cleanses us from all unrighteousness which means he will heal that thing he will restore he will ensure you're not like a dog that goes back to its vomit i'm pretty sure that's a scripture you know we're not going to go back to that same thing that we keep doing he's going to cleanse you he's going to help us to walk in freedom so we're not going to do keep doing those mistakes and making them over and over again he wants us in freedom and so to finish today i was going to give some declarations we could speak but I think even over our journey we would all have one of those pages where we, we've got a, a bunch of declarations we can speak but when I read this story in Numbers about Caleb I thought wow his, the, the attitude of his heart is exactly what, what I was trying to get at today and so this story is from Numbers it's when Moses was told by God uh, to send out spies to the promised land and God wanted the spies to come back and give a report on the land. He wanted them to tell them, what did the land look like? Was it abundant? Was it fruitful? What were the people like? Was it large? Was it small? Was it fortified cities? Were they quite open? And so they agreed to send out 12 heads of each tribe as spies into the promised land, and Caleb was one of them. And when they came back, they reported the beauty of the land, but they also reported on how strong and fortified the cities were. And Caleb straight away, he quiets the people and he says, no, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will certainly prevail over it. But 10 of the 12 heads said, "Uh-uh, we are not able to go against the people because they are too strong for us. And so they brought a bad report of the land. This is a land that devours its inhabitants. I'm not sure if you read in that, but there were giants in the land at that time, like Goliath. So he was serious. You know, the people were serious. It was very foreboding. And what happened was, is the whole congregation gets scared. They respond in tears. They respond in fear. There's wailing and weeping all through the night. And this is when the people respond, as I spoke about earlier. If only we died in Egypt. And Caleb and Joshua were the only two who believed that the Lord could bring them into this land. And so they're bewildered by the words of the people and the congregation. And Caleb tears his clothes and he says, the land we travelled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless prey. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. You know, here is a man who trusted the word of the Lord. He didn't see through his own earthly wisdom, his own understanding, his own opinion. He didn't even slander the people in the in the tribes. He didn't say, oh, can you believe that they said this? He didn't say anything like that. He just said, no, I know my God is Faithful. I know my God said that this is our land, and yes, it looks foreboding, and yes, there's giants in the land, and yes, the city's strong and fortified. But if the Lord said that we can go in there, then He will make a way. And you know, there are so many things in our life happening where it looks like this, exactly like this, where the promise is delayed. Maybe God's given you a promise and it's taking a whole lot longer than you thought it would. Maybe it's not happening the way you thought it would happen. Maybe not in the timing you thought it would happen. Maybe someone in your life who you've been praying for years and years and they are getting worse and worse in their behaviour. But the Lord is saying, don't come into agreement. The enemy would love you to speak negatively and to see through the, 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 the lens of the world. But his people should not be seeing through that lens. We should not be seeing through the lens of self. We see through the lens of the spirit. And that is way more powerful. And so be careful of our careless words. Because we don't want to be coming into agreement. The enemy is a liar. God is truth. And I'm imploring us today to see the gold in every situation. See the victory in every situation. And if you have got caught up in that, where there's seasons where we do get negative, there was a lady called Bobby Sussett, and she just said, just switch it. Just speak the greater word. Go back into the word and find a scripture that speaks exactly to that thing. And you declare that, and you believe it, and you stand on what God says. And so really what it is today is, let's exchange these careless words for God's remedy. For God's remedy. All right. I'm going to finish there, I think. I think that was a good, good, good ending to finish on. So we'll finish on prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you that you've given us these blessings, your promises, and that our identity is grounded as children of God in you. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to be a church who always speaks life and not the curses of the enemy. Thank you, Father, that we are being transformed into your image day by day from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you that the motive of our hearts become more pure day by day because we do want to look more like you, Jesus. We want to be life to the people around us and to those situations. We want to breathe your breath of life into dead things with your word. So thank you, Lord. Help us be aware of those moments when we're believing a little fox or if we've spoken a little fox. Help us to to grab it straight away, confess it, and it's as far as the east is from the west, Father. I pray that as we repent and we make these changes you desire, that you would give us that fresh move of your spirit and you would help us encounter you in a deeper, greater way. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.